0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Person that was behind the register there, and I I was asking myself, what do I do? How do I handle this? And I kept asking long enough that the lady finally left. And I didn't have to do anything, but I, but I kept asking myself that. And then the lady said, when I got there and I paid my bill, and she says, "Oh, I am having such a rough day." And I thought, well, maybe I could encourage her. I know what I'm about to say. I don't know if it did or not, but I, I simply said, you know, I'm just I'm just grateful that I could be here. I'm I'm grateful that we could have this time. I'm sorry you had to go through that with that other lady. But you know what? At all, what helps me get through life is. I could be living in Afghanistan right now. I could be in 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 war. I could be in Houston. I could be in Puerto Rico. I could be in a Caribbean island right now. And I know that that's all going to pass. It's going to have some bad times, but there're going to be some good times. And there may be a time that the Lord is going to remove something or someone that is very dear to me. And I hope that I'd be so filled with the Spirit that I could, like Job say, blessed be the name of the Lord. See, that's the attitude that he wants us to have. So having money is not wrong, but I need to be willing and ready to give up when God, watch this, takes back what he already owns. It's his to start with. So all I've got to do is manage it for his glory. Let's go to number five. This one is a, a no-brainer, but sometimes we forget about it. And that is, preferential treatment should not be given to those who are wealthy. Preferential treatment should not be given to those who are wealthy. That famous passage is found in James chapter 2, verse 1-10. through 10. And if you don't mind, I'd like you to turn there in your Bibles. I give you most of the verses written out for you to kind of help you along, but I don't want us to just come and bring our pens and a notebook without having our Bibles to actually write it. If you use your electronic Bible, that's fine. You can look at it in a different translation. It's however you want. I want to read the passage of Scripture to you only because it behooves us as believers in Christ to go through this passage again and again and again because because our church has been blessed with much affluency. I want us never to forget those that don't have and that we are fair to those that don't have. So I want to read this through. There's going to be very little commentary on this, but I'm going to let the Word of God be used by the Spirit of God to remind the child of God these truths. Let's look at it. James says this, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. In other words, whatever we got from the Lord, this faith that we have, it's not just, Ooh, I got it, it's all mine. It's out there for others. It's not keep the faith, baby. It's give it out. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and you say, hey, you sit here in this good place up over here. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there. Or sit down here at my feet, basically You're not sitting in something. You're sitting on the floor standing up. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves? And now you become judges with evil motives while you're doing this? Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich, and I love it, in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored this poor man? Is it not the rich who oppress you even? I always have to think that we might think we're rich, but there's always someone richer than we are. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme their fair, the fair name by which you have been called? Because you're a Christian, they take advantage of you. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, and there it is you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law just as transgressors. For Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, implying this point, has become guilty of all. And so I am not speaking because I am sensing, as i in your midst at fellowships and meetings and other things that you are glorifying yourself and your wealth. I think any one of you that get a vehicle, you probably feel guilty that you have it because others don't have all that you have. You shouldn't feel that way. But I believe every one of you would give the shirt off your back practically for someone in this church or someone who came in that had a need and you would treat them with the same amount of dignity and respect. Now, although the passage doesn't say this, I'd like to still give a word of caution So I'm giving it to you. It's a little bit beyond this passage. And you poor people that might feel that you're poor, don't judge those who have the wealth. Don't glorify yourself in your poverty. Don't poor mouth God. Let's work together as one family so that together we're stronger to be able to reach a much weaker community for Christ. All right, number six. It says, those who have money should not be proud nor seek security or significance from it. I chose those words very carefully. And I think this passage will bear this out as we will talk about it next week. Those who have money should not be proud nor seek security. When I write the word security in there, I want you to write the word safety in there. In other words, we shouldn't be proud that we're safe right now. And I'm going to use Carol and me as an example. We, our house is paid for. I'm safe. I don't have to make a payment. So, what does Stan and Carol do? We buy insurance, okay? So, we get insurance. So, we get a little bit of extra insurance for certain parts of our house and we kind of get extra insurance. But at any moment, what could happen? The house could burn down, the insurance company go out of business with all their claims. So, I cannot rest in my own security. I have to rest in the fact that this is the best I can do with what I have. Everything goes back up to the Lord again. So, don't get smug that you have everything safe and secure. Don't be proud about it. Now, the word significant is a little different. The word significant there I chose is the word, we might say, importance by what you have. Sometimes I'm, I'm safe. I got everything under control. Everything is fine. At any moment, that could change, all right? And then over here, I am important because of what I have. I am not important. Don't look at Stan and Carol because we have a house paid for and a car paid for that we're somebody great, that we're somebody wealthy, that we're someone better than you. We're really not. At any moment, God could take that away. At any moment, we cease using our home as a ministry center for others to stay in, be fed in, clothed in, fellowship in, taught in, and housed when needed. That little ministry center that God gave us could be taken away just like that. How? I have no idea. I just know that God is quite creative in how he can do that. So I cannot be smug by security that I have or by the substance that I have. Everything comes from the Lord. And that makes it a lot more, um, how can I say, comforting to me because I know that my security is in Christ, not in my past abilities to just obey Scripture. Let's go back to this passage, 1 Timothy 6. We will open this up a lot next week. You'll want to be here as we do this. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. And I like that it didn't say to fix their hope on riches It reminded him on the uncertainty of riches. Remember, our whole theme today is whatever I have comes from God, all right? It's not my finances, it's his finances. It says, but on God, my hope is on God, who richly supplies us with all things to love. Is that what it says? No, we don't love things, but we do enjoy them. So if you have a nice car, enjoy it. If you have a nice car, Pool in your backyard, enjoy that. If you have a nice technology to use, enjoy that. If you've been given jewelry from a grandmother who loved you enough to give you that, donate that to the church. No, enjoy that, okay? I just want you to know, when God has richly blessed you, take it, enjoy that. But don't so hold so tight to it. Don't see your security in that. Don't see that you're important in this. See that it's something to enjoy because at any moment God might say, it's time That might help you get through those times when things are taken away. Go back to Proverbs for a moment. 23 now, Proverbs 23, verse four and five. It's not in your notes. This morning when I was having my quiet time, I came across these passages and I said, oh, this is really good, you know, and I wanted to give it to you. So if if you breathe like this, that's fresh bread coming out of the oven. Okay, here we go. 23, verse four, says this. Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it, or putting so much attention in it, consideration in this thing oh, think think that you have it all understood. Then it says, when you set your eyes on it, it 's gone for wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. in other words, um when I read that, you know what I think of i 'm sorry i shouldn 't tell you this I, I think of the game monopoly, and there that that little fat guy with the mustache and the money is gone, and it's like the money has wings on it, and it flies away. How many remember that little card? Would you raise your hand? How many I mean, monop- Monopoly players here? I, whenever I think, see this verse, I think of that. Money flies away, it gets wings, and away it goes. All right. So that's why I don't want to put all that confidence in that. My confidence is in the Lord, and I hope that you would get that out of that passage there. We're almost done. Let's go to number seven now. Just a couple more, and then we'll go home and, and really let this just kind of incubate in us. Money must not be loved, all right? People are loved, money is not, all right? Nor should it be selfishly hoarded or indulgently spent. Indulgently hoarded. I mean, indulgently spent or selfishly hoarded. Proverbs, again, 11, 24, and 25. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. In other words, you you scatter your seed, you'll always get more than what you planted, You'll get what you planted, and you'll get it later than you planted. But if you scatter it, more will come back. And there is one who withholds what is justly due. In other words, I'm not going to give this. I've got to keep it for myself. I might need it someday. And they're hoarder, hoarder, hoarders. How many know someone who's a hoarder? Do you know, know someone? you got a neighbor who's a hoarder? Your wife's a hoarder? No, I'm just joking there. But do you, do you know people that are hoarders? And, it's, and you talk to them. Why do you have all of this? Carol, uh, when we were in Hawaii, we uh, took an elderly man home. And when we took him home, um, I walked into his house to kind of get him after a, a mid- midweek service, get him in. And when I got in there, I was horrified. It's not uncommon that in Hawaii they have what they call single walls. That means they're not double walls, they're single. So you have like plywood here inside, plywood outside. Many houses are like that, okay? But what was so funny was when you go into his house, when you could look at the floor, you could see the dirt because it's on pier and beam. all right? just a little bit off the ground. Now, they don't do it because of floods. They do it to keep the house cool because most people in Hawaii do not have air conditioning. We didn't have air conditioning. So you would cool your house that way. It would also be a way to keep the termites from getting up into your house too. They put special things on the, the posts, But you could see right through the floor. But as I went in, you had to kind of walk kind of a weird, like a serpentine walkway through his house. This man had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rubber gloves. This man had hundreds and hundreds of rolls of toilet paper. This man cooked his food over a Bunsen burner, had not even any hot water in his house. And so I look at him, and he he was a hoarder. So Carol came in and sat down with him, and together we said, how are you feeling? He says, "I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know what to do. And Carol says, how would you like us to help guide you through the process? So for two years... Carol sat down, helped him keep what he needed to keep, gave away what needed to be gotten away. She got a contractor and rebuilt this entire man's house on the same pier and post that was there. When you go into his house now, it looks like HGTV kind of a thing. He had the money to do that. Now, stay with me. Two years later, we'd go back into his house. The brand-new washer and dryer that he bought, still in the box. The refrigerator was never opened. He still heated on a Bunsen burner. So deep within him, I'm sure there was some psychological and spiritual needs and all of that, and there are people that are like that. I'm not talking about them as much as I'm talking about those that really have a problem with hoarding because you never know when I might need it. You never know when I might need it. So in other words, they've, they're, they're, their confidence in is in what they're keeping more than what their confidence in is, is the Lord going to take care of me or not? So we're talking about a trust factor issue, not about hoarding as much. So go back to this passage here it says the generous man will be prosperous and he will he who waters will himself be watered so you got the top and the bottom part and the middle part would be those that withhold that should be given away and then number eight money and resources are to be used to help others money and resources are to be used to help others two wonderful passages of scripture are taught not so much as a principle as much as they are taught by example And so as we look at this, I want you to see what they did in the New Testament church when it first began. So this became a part of it. Now remember, when this was in the New Testament church time, it was during a very significant event during the church time. The church was beginning, there was a lot of excitement, but there was lots of persecution that was going on. Those that came into the New Testament church basically were mostly Jewish people, not only, but mostly Jewish. They were mainly being disowned by their families because of that. And then even if you were a Gentile, that were in their Gentile arena, you're coming into the church, you too were all also a marginalized out so you didn't have a lot and then you'd be struck with more famine back then today it would be more floods and, and and fires that they would have maybe out in california so there was tremendous need there so this is how they handle it those that had those that maybe escaped some of that that um, uh, loss of finances a loss of connection to those who could take care of them they would look to it from one another in the church and so this is what they did so again, it's not so much instructional as much as it is by modeling. And so we look at it, and it says, And all those who had believed were together. In other words, there was a lot of connectivity, a lot of fellowship. They sensed each other's needs. They, they knew gathering together was a place to be loved and a place to, uh, to love others. So we were together. And they had all things in common. Basically, they were struggling with the same issues, same needs. All right, When there was a problem, we all shared it together. And they began selling their property and possessions. And we're sharing them with all. Now, this is not communism or socialism. It says they were sharing them as anyone might have need. It wasn't so that everybody would be equal in the same amount. It was those that had a significant need. And in your margin, you might want to write basic need of life. And I think I could say in context, it deals more with the physical needs that they had. But I think we could also branch out from that by extension, a spiritual need. By them being helped, that brought that person closer into the fellowship, a closer connectivity, and since at the same time, in context, I don't have time to open this, the Word of God was being taught, they were praising the Lord, they were dealing with uh, conflict and suffering together, and so whatever need that they had, they were coming together to meet that specific, basic need that that person had. Now you fast-forward it to a couple more uh, chapters, it says basically the same thing. For there was not a needy person among them for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. I love that. Now here's what's important. This is another whole study. They didn't merely take their money and give it to another person in the church. They took their money and they would give it to a spiritual leader in the church. And the spiritual leader who had greater understanding of the issue, the purpose of using it, how it should be divided up, the equality of it all, the equitability of it all, these were the ones who were given the proceeds. And then and they would distribute to each one as any had a need. So in other words, as, as the church began to grow, they realized we just can't give it to anybody nilly-willy. We needed to give it to those that are in spiritual authority, and we need to trust those because these guys have been vetted out. They're spiritual. They've proven themselves over a period of time, so they're the leaders. And now how they sense that this money or the resources should be then spread out to others. So basically, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying Scripture is pretty clear that if someone has a need, we who have a little extra, we should give. Not all of that we have, and not only those who have money, we all have something that we should be able to meet a need. And our purpose for meeting that need is only to take care of their basic need of life, and then hopefully that in some measure it will connect to their spiritual need as well. So it's not just making them have a better life to spit on God. It's to help them in some measure to know the Lord, grow in the Lord, to help them to become stronger so that they can help others as well. Now, while this may be the end of this message, there are some take-home points. You got a lot of them there. My faith is in the Lord now that he will prompt you to go through this and not try to pick... I don't agree with that. I don't like what he said. He shouldn't have said that. What about that? What about that? You can do all that. You know, I do that too, and I'm sitting out there and I'm listening to the speaker. But at the end of the day, though, God's not going to then just look at how much I pick apart what someone said. He's going to look at what did he say that that's what God said. Where am I with that? The prayer today was we heard from our prayer guys that our hearts would be open. I was convicted by my own message. Isn't that terrible? (laughs) And I want you to know that I'm walking away from this too. That Carol and I have to rethink our finances and rethink who in the body here who needs and what does our building need as we move forward to provide a safe and secure place for others? What our missionaries' need? Frankly, what does a neighbor need in my own little community? And so how can I use what God has given to me as a model and a mentor to bring glory to him by the truths that I receive here today? Let's pray, shall we? with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would hope that the Spirit of God at least awakened us today to sense this is a series that we should, we should study. This is a series that we don't want to miss a part of it because it's kind of given in a total manner. It's like leaving an ingredient out of a recipe that we want to get it all. I pray that we sense that and that if we have to miss, we're going to go back and pick it up again Get it on the internet. Get the notes. Talk to a friend. We don't want to miss it. I hope the second thing we gained out of this today is that our finances, our resources are not ours. It's what the Lord permitted us to have. And obviously, we're going to have to give an account of it, how we use it. And if he should sovereignly take it away, that we'll say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And should he abundantly add to what we have, we're going to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then as we have it, we realize that the, these resources are not toys for us to play with. They're not weapons for us to manipulate others and do whatever we want and all that. But they're tools to bring glory to the Lord by adding value to them. And then we would take away from this message that if we've had the wrong attitude about our money or misused our money or acquired our money inappropriately that we would we would embrace the guilt we have for violation that we don't we'd celebrate our conscience for bringing that to our mind that we we've, we've blown it there but we wouldn't live in that guilt we would now take that guilt and we would walk to the cross in our mind and say Lord we've blown it and we're ashamed as we bring it to you. Because you gave us all this stuff and you wanted us to do right by it and we missed it. We missed the opportunity to, to be taught this. Or we were taught it and we, we disobeyed it. And so Lord, I want to thank you. Say that. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. And that none of that could keep you out of heaven if you trust Christ as your Savior. Now that's not a license then to continue to misuse funding. Getting guarding or giving your money. Don't don't misuse it just because you're saved by grace. But at the same time, it gets you into his forever family. You now have the power source. And to me it's not just the power to get the money or the power to spend the money. To me it's in my own heart that special grace to know all of this belongs to him. And now I want to use it to bring honor and glory. So if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, just simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm in a room full of sinners. I'm in a world full of sinners. But I want to thank you for loving me and dying on the cross, making the complete payment for my sin and rising again from the dead in the course of all of that action there. And now you're offering to me the free gift of eternal life. I don't work for it. It can't be lost. It can't be stolen. It's a free gift. And so, Lord, thank you for your full forgiveness. For us who are believers, let's ask the Lord to reveal to us that from this message that we most need to rethink. We are going to repent. We are going to rethink. We're going to ask the Lord to help us now as we move forward through these truths in the weeks ahead that we would become biblically knowledgeable on this subject in the limited amount of time and messages that we have so that we can properly model this to others and mentor them in these great truths so that together we glorify you now father i love you i love these people i love the word i love what you're going to teach us i thank you for your power Your the spirit that will illuminate scripture to us so we could understand it better. I thank you for the resources that are out there to go deeper, to understand this more. But help us, Father, to know it, to live it, for thy glory. For it is in your name we pray, amen.